Welcome to the Dementia Caregiver Talk Show, a podcast to help you navigate the senior care maze. Learn and laugh with us as we discuss creative solutions and ideas to common and uncommon dementia care challenges and how to make sense of the senior care industry and options even if you're not a professional. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. My name is Valerie and I'm here today with Tipa Snow, Joanne Westbrook and Greg Phelps. And we have another really interesting topic today that I think a lot of people struggle with and it's strategies to get someone to a healthcare provider when they don't want to go. Ooh. Or don't know they need to go. That's so another part. Is this actually a real problem that people experience or is it just sort of like um, dealing with youngsters where we're just going to say you're going anyhow? Mm. Yeah, try saying that to your mom who says, I'm not going. I don't, if you want to go, you go. I'm not, I don't even, why would I need to go to a doctor? I'm not sick. This is ridiculous. Why do you want me to go to a doctor? So why would there be any resistance to this? And it, it, does it depend on the gem states? Well, it might be some of that, Greg, but more than likely, it's also a lack of awareness that I'm having issues or you push too hard and I've decided, yeah, no, I'm not doing what you want because you have a plan. You ha- you're you're, you're going to do something or... I have awareness and I'm afraid the doctor's going to do something or the nurse is, or somebody's going to notice that I'm having issues. And, you know, frankly, dementia is sort of a stigma word. So it's not the sort of thing you look forward to going and get diagnosed with, because then we'll know, "Ah, you know, oh, good, we've got a handle on it. I'll take some aspirin and I'll be better on Thursday. I mean, it, it doesn't work like that. So, you know, there's lots of reasons people not might not be interested so the reluctance could come before the diagnosis and then again after the diagnosis? Big deal. Yeah. So if I have awareness, I may not want to go and get that confirmed or verified, um, or I might be very willing. If I do not have awareness or I've sort of heard hints that the doctor is thinking he wants to see me for something, my anxiety goes up and I'm not interested in doing that. Or I don't even like the guys or trust them. Or I've never gone much to healthcare providers and I don't see why I should start now. Um, so it really can happen well before and actually even getting somebody to be screened, like the idea, I wonder if something's going on here because what everybody jumps to is, uh, oh, I think mom's got dementia versus, you know, I wonder if something's changing in mom's brain or my brain um, and I should go get it looked at because I'm having trouble that I don't usually have. So can we develop a strategy for this and, and how soon would you start developing that strategy? If I'm someone who mm. ne- I go to the doctor only when I'm in dire straits. Now, how are you mm. going to get me there when I think I'm fine? Yeah. So, Hey Greg, I'm curious about something. I know you've been feeling really fine. Um, but I have been noticing just a few things and I wondered whether you've noticed any of this or not. So what was my first strategy? What was the very first thing? Trying to engage me in sort of looking at myself. Mm -hmm. How did I start that off though? Curiosity. Mm -hmm. Or 
I know you're doing, you're feeling like you're doing fine. So I actually validated or verified your point of view before I gave you, you know, I'm, I'm noticing a few things though that I'm, I'm just not sure about. I'm, I'm a little, I'm nervous or it just seems different to me. And I wondered about your point of view about it. But was what was really important strategy wise is that before I ever say I have issues or concerns with what I'm noticing, I verify and, and say straight out, I know that you're feeling like it's going fine. So one of the challenges, when should I do it uh, before it becomes a crisis? Before I'm trying to decide, God, I don't even know if you should be driving anymore. Or this is the third time I found the wrong number of pills in your bottle. Or yikes. I mean, you had somebody in the house, you don't even know their name. So letting it go to a place where my anxiety gets really high, I won't be effective at helping you at all because I have an agenda then and I have a really strong agenda. So I want to make sure I'm starting this well before I have a strong agenda or I won't be the one to help you. I won't be able to because I'll be so focused on my agenda. I'll have a really hard time. Well, of course, a, a great way to start any relationship is to point out my flaws. You know, I notice you're forgetting stuff. You know, how come you don't remember? You remember, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that that's one strategy. There must yeah. be several strategies, again, depending on where people are at in, in the journey. Well, another strategy is to look at who for that human being has always been an authority figure or someone who they take their advice or they at least are interested in hearing from. So if you can identify anyone in their life, maybe um, somebody who from their faith community or maybe somebody from the legal world or from the financial world or in the family for whom that person has a fairly strong relationship of when when I speak, you sort of are curious and interested and you, you're more of a go along. So I'm the lead of you versus we're in opposite roles where I've always followed your lead. And now I'm turning around and saying, I'm worried. Let's go get looked at here because that seems like a reversal. So we want, if possible, one strategy is to make sure you have somebody in the person's life that you feel that you could at least invite them to participate in this. So is it a family member or if you said faith-based or a friend, but yeah. what, what there's so many people are alone these days. Family is a way hard, yeah. to, hard to engage friends. If people are experiencing brain change, friends tend to drift away. So how, how else might you? Yeah. So if there isn't anybody else, then you've got to become that, advocate and I would say to approach it third strategy as an advocacy kind of thing so you know Joanne I'm you know I, I know when we went to the store the other day that clerk was really really quick and rude did you notice that about him too I did I noticed yeah. that very quickly I didn't like it <laughs> yeah I noticed that it made it harder and they made you really up, sort of upset about the whole thing well, yeah, I, you, I didn't feel like I had time to even, uh, you know, get the words out or answer him. Yeah, it seemed like that. You know what? And, you know, that's that's like the second or third time that, I, that it seems like we've had those kind of encounters with people. People have gotten really sort of snippy and short and rude lately, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Why huh. do you think that is? You know, I'm wondering, Joanne, have you noticed anything about how well maybe you're hearing everything that people say? Because I'm wondering if 
part of it is that you're having a hard time hearing sometimes when people say things to you, like maybe it's something going on with what's coming in and how it's getting processed through so that it feels to you like they're being, they're mumbling and they're not talking very loud. And when you ask for them to repeat, they give you the, oh, I've already said it twice. Yeah, like, that, that's true. I do. I have noticed that. Um, I just don't know why they're being rude about it. If yeah, I don't I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's sort of beyond me too. But I'm wondering whether it's worth going to get something looked at with your hearing and things before we get, you know, I just don't know whether it's maybe a little bit of your hearing or getting stuff when people say things as much as it is them being then rude. But it makes it unpleasant when we go out and it's just not very, it's not fun anymore. And it's making it so you don't want to do it. Well, yeah, I've been thinking about not really going out very much because of it. But yeah, I noticed at the restaurant, you know, like it was, it was like trying to get your order placed and things like that. It just seemed like it was, it was a lot with all the background noise and all. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Would you be willing to go with me and have yours? Yeah, because I think you have to. I think you have to get a doctor's okay to. I, I think easier to do it if you go ahead and see the doctor and then they make the recommendation but they may need to check some other things first just to see if maybe maybe something's going on or not may not but I think they make referrals oh so so what what did you all notice about that where how did I work my way around there well if you were a tap dancer it would have been <laughs> a of performance because I feel like I could do Gene Kelly. <laughs> you did everything except, you know, confront the issue head on, which was mm -hmm. what you were trying to avoid. So you could apply that to almost any other situation. If it was visual, if mm -hmm. it was verbal or, you know, anything else, you could, you could sort of expand that. Yeah. So I try to start with an experience that we shared and it wasn't a good one. And the person, here's the thing about dementia. People tend to remember emotionally how they felt about something, even though they don't remember accurately what actually happened and what started what and who did what, but they have a feeling. And if I can evoke that, then I can get them to be interested in trying to figure out why that happened that, you know, in what part their hearing, their vision, their movement, something might have played. And it gives me an end, sort of a sideways ditch to get in as opposed to a direct confront. Um, and it makes it so I'm not accusing any, her of anything. It's just people are being rude. However, I'm wondering if something's going on there that's making it. And then we worked a little toward the, the menu, but I didn't say, you know what? You're not making choices anymore. I mean, there's no point in doing that until we get more data um, and how to do that. So. But you're right. That made me feel very emotional and upset. And, you know, that would definitely make me want to fix it if I could do it on my end, for sure. Yeah. Right. And then people wouldn't have a chance to be rude because you'd have a hearing aid or you'd have whatever it is. And so that's the idea is that I go toward fixables initially because the reality is about 70% of people over 75 do have hearing loss in the speech range. And it does mean that sometimes people get misidentified as having a, a brain change like dementia when in fact they simply have hearing loss and they start to isolate and try things less and do things less and don't rehearse and they are not in conversations and they're not going to things. 
And of course, if they, on top of that, have the beginnings of dementia, the symptoms become profound much sooner. Yep. So... For a care partner, could you also um, examine situations like where you might tell your person that you're looking after, a person living with dementia, or that you suspect that it's time for their annual checkup? You've phoned and set up the appointment. Can, yep. you, can you be creative yet still be respectful? Yeah, because I think one of the things that um, a lot of people are concerned about privacy of information. So this health privacy stuff. And so family members feel hogtied because they can't get data back from a medical provider. But that doesn't mean you can't offer up. You know, I've been noticing a couple things and I wanted to let you know that prior to my mom coming in um, and basically saying, you know, I see I think typically has her annual physical about this time of year. And I am noticing she hasn't set that up. And I don't know if you all have contacted her or not. Yeah. Yeah. We sent out three notices. Okay. Yeah. That's sort of what I'm a little worried about is that's not like her. Um, If you look in your records, she comes in really regularly and I think we might be looking at something happening that makes that less likely. And I don't want to let it slide, but I'm also going to be very clear. I do not want to be identified as the person who asked for a follow-up to your follow-up. But I think it's going to have to be a personal contact, not the typical email and message on the phone, because I'm having concerns about how well that gets processed right now and that's very different for my mom so the general assumption is that men are more reluctant to go to doctors than women but of Mm -hmm. course as we age you know men tend to um i was going to say die earlier and i I don't (laughs) necessarily want to categorize that being a male species you know Uh, but But you do tend to have a shorter lifespan (laughs) so is is that part of the equation where it it seems like men are more reluctant statistically but it it might be the same it actually is it's more of an even balance um and it has a lot to do perhaps we don't know it's really not a known thing about transportation that's factoring it into it as well um, as women get into their age range, if they have not been drivers and they lose their partner, um, they don't have transportation that's going to work well. So it's relying on the kids or a public transport or they have to pay for Uber. And then, of course, also we have, you know, as income gets tighter, people have more concerns about going to. And, you know, in Canada, yeah, you have a system, but heaven knows that's all backed up and that's a quick in and out if you can. I mean, nobody wants to go and sit for long periods of time. Um, And it may feel like it's just not worth it. I mean, I'll be honest, it's not worth it. If I feel okay, you know, what am I going to get? A a food that does your good? So it's the kind of thing where both males and females, it turns out, um, can exhibit different but very similar reluctances to go visit that medical provider or go get seen again. So if I have a bad experience, oh, now we've got a real problem on our hands. So is there a time for direct intervention? Is there a time where you have to say to yourself, this has gone beyond me talking? And Yeah, yeah. So then we get to strategy number four. And strategy number four is who's going to be the bad guy? Mm-hmm. And we got to decide 
who's best prepared and who's most emotionally able to handle the bad guy role uh, and who's best at doing it. So the bad guy doesn't have to be mean. The bad guy just has to be the bad guy. Um, and we also want to assign the partner, the good guy. And so it's good cop, bad cop um, in its most profound way because you need, if it was Joanne, Joanne would need someone to stand with her and say, Tipa, I just don't, I know you don't. And I understand you're not wanting to do this, but we've really, this is it. Either we're going to have to do this or you're going to end up in the emergency room. It's getting to that place where your some of the things that are happening are just not normal for you. It is not how you've done this. And I'm going to tell you that if we don't front end this and get something going, it could be diabetes, it could be hypertension. I don't know, but I know you are not acting and, and behaving in the way you've done it before. And I know that you don't like it. And then that's oh, your- I don't like that. I don't want to go. I know you don't want to go. I hear you, but that's it. I mean, that's got to be done. It's got to happen. So I'm going to set it up. Do you want it Tuesday or Thursday? Well, if you insist, I guess I'll go on Thursday. Okay. All right. And I'm going to set it up for the morning so we don't have to wait in the waiting room as long. All right. But you're going with me. No, you don't want me. You're going to want Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in that role play, you actually still managed to give some choice so that she still had some feeling of control. Yeah. So that's why I said the bad guy, but not the mean guy, because I don't need to rob her of all choice, but I haven't robbed her of the choice of yes or no. And it's no longer a yes, no choice. That's not an option anymore. And she's going to need somebody to talk with. Her. I mean, she'll, she could call me back and I might be able to do it. You might be able to play both roles. It's really hard to do it and you can only do it if you're pretty skilled at this and you've practiced and rehearsed it. Um, and your agenda, you, you're, you, by now your agenda's getting in your way um, if you're not careful. Um, Cause I gotta be able to sidestep but not let her weasel out of this. Cause she's not gonna want, she doesn't want to do it. And she's gonna refuse me and I said, okay, if we say no now, then you're waiting until something really horrible happens. And she says, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, you'll say, yeah, I'll just wait until I, I fall and break my head over and I'll lay there and I'll die. That's how I want to go out. See, Joanne, you're too reasonable. It's not. <laughs> so, so you could, so. you could apply some of these techniques, Tipa, to, um, other situations. I don't want to go too far off topic, which we right. tend to do on occasion, but it could be, uh, something as, as, uh, so similar as a, a driving, uh, yeah. reviewing yeah. people's driving skills or coming time to actually uh, put a person in care because they're no longer capable, uh, able. So yeah. it, you could expand that same technique or same thought process, couldn't you? Yeah. And you have the one thing you have to be really careful about is do I have the authority? And if I don't, how hard am I willing to push? And, and I personally am really shy about lying to people. I, you know, I'm not going to lie, but I will set up probable scenarios. So what I hear you saying is you would rather die in your house than go get your blood pressure looked at. Is that, I mean, and get your blood sugar checked. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, you'd rather die in your house and possibly lose five years of being with your dog and taking care of your garden 
and doing the things you love because you don't want to get your blood pressure and your heart rate checked. Am I I right about that? Wow. On that cheery note, Tifa, we have to wrap this one up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the reality is, did I get you to rethink how, how, how extreme you were being compared to what I was asking you to do? Yeah, and again, you by not emotion when you said the dog. I'm not leaving my dog. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the more I know you, the more I can help you. And I guess that's the bottom line is know your person, yeah. know their buttons, know yeah. the things that, that help them want to be present and live, and then figure out, so what's missing and how do we work with what we got? So you have a live webinar about that topic this August, correct? We do, yeah, where we should have a great conversation. And I'll certainly go over some of the things we talked about and more, but um, we'll also have a chance to, for people to ask questions or bring comments. That's wonderful. And that happens on August 29th from 2.30 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I did want to mention also for our listeners, if they want to attend and they can say, oh, you know what, I can't make it on August 29th, if you register, you do get access to the recording for a full year. So I'm going to put the link to the webinar in the show notes. And then, you know, you can take a look at it. And thank you so much, Tifa and Greg and Joanne. That was, a, I think, a lot of really great takeaways and, you know, great interactions. Thank you so much and we, to our listeners, too. And we hope to welcome you back soon. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.